0: I just got legitimately so excited because since I last saw you, Mm -hmm. you and Kelsey embarked on a journey.
1: We did. We watched Set It Up.
0: I want to know what you
1: thought. (laughs) I (laughs) thought it was great. Um, I really was not sure what to expect um, based on...
0: Based on my perhaps over-enthusiastic...
1: We might call it that. Um, I'm not totally sure. It was not... What I was expecting in a lot of ways.
0: Okay, so tell me what you were expecting.
1: I was expecting it to be a little more saccharine. Okay. Um, a little less edgy. Okay. Because um, it's like, it's pretty profane.
0: Look, can I be honest with you? Yeah. I don't know. you, And we're about to talk like for oh, 30 yeah. minutes about this. I consider myself relatively prudish. Yeah. Um, Movies, TV, um, books... All of it. You know, all of it. I. Nothing in. in Set It Up Me, except...
1: Except, I, I know exactly except, which scene you're talking yeah, about. Except, Don't be one of those women. <laughs> yeah, like, except my. there is
0: a scene where I really did, the first time I watched it, go, wait, did I hear that right? Like, yeah, I, you did. Like, I'm not sure I heard that right. But then she said it again, and I realized, oh no, oh! I heard that loud and clear. <laughs> um, but that's not till the, kind of toward the that's, end of the yeah, film. Yeah, that's
1: like four fists through.
0: So have I told you that my parents... Like, started watching this, didn't like it, turned it off. Uh-huh. Then they heard me talking about it so much on Instagram <laughs> that they were like, well, let's try this again. Annie Sue likes it, so maybe we'll like it. <laughs> so, yeah, they don't. And they don't because there's a lot of pee jokes. Not urine. Yeah. Other m- yeah. other jokes. Uh-huh. But I... What is it about me? You know what it is? Jordan and I talked about this. I, th- I think this is a lot... Of, this is okay for me to say on this podcast. We have
1: have no no rules.
0: No one actually. We don't see anyone sleeping together. True. And so I think Jordan and I both were like, "This is great. It's fine. Jokes are fine." (laughs) It's the act that bothers.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and this is I do, and we talked last week about I think off air, yeah, yeah, about the difference between a romantic comedy and a sex comedy, which is so important. That distinction is so different, and this somehow is a romantic comedy. Yeah. But the humor is still very sexual, and yeah. it still manages to be a romantic comedy.
0: Yeah, and not, for example, I mean, when I went and saw Trainwreck by myself, right. I was a little bit mortified. Sure. I liked it, but like, literally pulled out my phone, which I never do in the theater, <laughs> because I didn't want to see what was happening on screen, <laughs> and I just went and saw it by myself. Sure. So, lest anybody think, oh, Annie, you're just afraid of what people will think. No. No. <laughs> She
1: just didn't want to see it. No, no. And that's okay. Yeah,
0: and some of the jokes even, I mean, Amy Schumer's Amy Schumer. Like, they were too much for me. But for whatever reason, set it up. I mean...
1: Yeah, no, we got 15 minutes in and Kelsey was like, this is the movie that Annie loves so much? Like, I'm shocked. And I was like, I am too. This is
0: (laughs) is not what I was expecting. Can you tell me what joke it was? Or what? I,
1: I don't remember. See, I have because no it was hard time. so many.
0: <laughs> I rewatched it so much and I'm like, what is profane? And then I start to question myself, like
1: Sure. Well, Ooh. and to be fair, very little bothers me. Yeah. Um, I have a hard stomach yes. for, for these kinds of things. And like, I thought it was great. Yeah. The whole movie was hilarious. I yeah. I thought it was delightful. And it was it was so sweet in a way that didn't turn my stomach. Yeah. Um I thought the romantic leads were were great. I
0: think they had really um, good chemistry. I
1: forget Zoe Deutsch, is that yes. her name? She is wonderful. She's delightful. I want to watch her in everything. You know who she is? Yeah, I
0: do. You know that her mom was in um, Back to the Future?
1: Yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. They no, totally I read that. look like they do, it's yeah. great. Um the male lead Who's... I don't remember the actor's name or the character's name. I find him just so forgettable. You're
0: gonna know his name. You know why? Why? He's about to be in the Top Gun remake. Well,
1: <laughs> Of course he is.
0: Glenn Powell. Glenn
1: Write Powell. Write it down. Okay. He's
0: gonna be famous.
1: And look, I, I texted you about this while we were watching. Like... Yeah. I understand that he is objectively, blandly handsome. Yeah. and I And I totally agree. Yeah. In the movie... He is so bland as to be not handsome anymore. But then you sent me the one screenshot of him with the ruffled hair. And I was like, oh, I get it. It's
0: the You know what? Can I tell tell why I love him so much in this movie?
1: And I know what Uh you're going to say, but please go.
0: (laughs) I find him to be the everyman. Yeah. Meaning, and yes, we all know Annie loves blandly handsome men, blah, blah. But what I mean is... He looks like a totally normal guy to me. Yeah, and what I like—not super nerdy, mm-hmm. not super athletic, nope. not super sexy—like nope. just your average. Somewhere it's
1: like if you averaged the male population. Yes. Yeah.
0: And the the evidence for that, I think, is that, for example, my husband mm-hmm. um, will. Frequently we'll be together and all of a sudden I'll be like, hey, can you just like rub your fingers through your hair? Because I think that would really <laughs> help a little bit. Like he goes through the day and his hair like falls. Falls, yeah. Okay, that actor, and I like this, they decided not to make his hair. His hair is just kind of...
1: It, however it looks yes. in any given scene. And he is, is not something clothed about It's different that. in yeah, every scene. There's something mm-hmm. about that,
0: that I love. Um, the other thing, and tell me what you think about this. So um, I have been on like a romantic comedy not just watching, I've always been a fan of them, and there's like a new rom comissance that I'm super into, but also I've been deep diving like articles about sure. it and blah, blah, blah. Well, many people, myself included, I have a hard time remembering that character's name from Set It Up. Like, yeah. you're right. The I guy no is idea. so bland. Is it Tom? Charlie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure.
0: So I forget that. Like, uh-huh. she is far more compelling. Harper. And, and there's a scene. Where she's about, they're about to go to the baseball game, mm-hmm. and the guy who's running the kiss cam asks her, "Hey, who am I looking for?" Mm-hmm. And she's like, "You're looking for this strong, uh, brilliant woman, and then a guy."
1: And I think that's
0: totally what <laughs> and they're the, doing the, that in the movie. Yes, movies. I think that's totally I, what they're and doing. And I'm into
1: that yeah, artistically. I'm I think totally that's great. Into
0: it. But it, he is so different from the Peter Kavinsky character sure. um, and yeah. to all the boys I've loved before. And the thing is, I was talking to a friend about this, like, I think Charlie is, the character, is very much like just your average Joe. And then I think the hope is that the world has more Peter Kavinsky's than we think.
1: And I, maybe. I, (laughs) I like that at the end of the movie, his arc is essentially to realize that he needs to stop trying so hard. Yeah. To... To, to be terrible yeah like and that's that he's actively trying to be terrible yeah because that's what he's been trained as a man to think he needs to yes. do yes um harper has to actually go through some personal growth and realize she needs to pursue things she needs to pursue that her scene writing it's so good it hurt yeah um she needs to like realize that to pursue what she loves she needs to stop doing the thing that's bringing her down whereas he just needs to stop actively trying to be terrible
0: right his goal is wrong and i'm like Ah,
1: it's compelling I get it yeah. but I'm also like he gets off so easy in this movie not having to do anything
0: but I think it's because Ugh. his the. I don't think the point of the movie is his personal it's birth. not yeah.
1: absolutely not
0: so I don't know I loved it I loved it, I'm I loved it too I thought it was
1: great 5 out of 5 yeah Episode 187 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I had a seven-day weekend.
0: And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia.
1: I'm very used to having four-day weekends. Um,
0: Seven? That's a week.
1: uh, Yeah. No, it is, because I teach on Monday and Wednesday, and I had Monday off for Labor Day, and so I have not worked since Wednesday.
0: I almost think that's too long.
1: I definitely think it's too long. Your
0: brain, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I and you I, barely
0: could get used to your routine.
1: There are a lot of people in the world and a lot of districts in the United States where school starts after Labor Day. Right. I am a proponent of this.
0: Okay, I just don't understand. Me too. Who's not? Who's not? Who's not? I just think...
1: Why does school need to start... And especially... This is true on university campuses. Yeah. School starts a week before Labor Day or Martin Luther King Day.
0: Yeah. Why?
1: And then we have that Monday off immediately. Why do we need a three-day weekend to welcome in the school year? Like, why not start on that Tuesday? Yeah. Everybody would be happy.
0: To me, it's the whole Memorial Day, Labor Day thing. I just don't understand why summer isn't just from Memorial Day to Labor Day for all the children. And I understand there are snow days and hurricane days. We can figure that out, guys. Yeah,
1: Like we have the technology.
0: Yeah, we can do that. I also, what do you think? My life is totally different now, but back in the day, when I worked a normal person, Mm -hmm. corporate-ish job, why aren't three-day weekends a thing? Just always.
1: Just always. Well, I feel like this ties into the history of Labor Day.
0: Yes. And labor
1: unions Which is really and, and labor movements that are very important. Um, and the forty-hour work week was agreed upon as a thing, but
0: it's just when I used to work a job, and I was a vi- look. Mm-hmm. I'm not bragging or anything, but like I worked really hard. Nobody works forty hours a week. No. At a desk job. No. No, no and, one.
1: But I mean, technically, I'm I get paid by the university for twenty hours a week. Right. I'm in the classroom for three of those. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what I'm doing right. otherwise. And, like,
0: I'm sure we're, we're obviously checking email. Yeah. You're in meetings. I understand that. But look, I worked in a corporate environment. No one is working, like, not. You know, the episode of The Office where yeah. like Dwight is like, they talk about not being time thieves. Yeah. Holly wants them not to be time thieves. Uh-huh. And so you realize well, you know, you have to go to the bathroom, you have to sneeze. Right. You have talks with your coworkers. Like nobody's working forty uninterrupted hours. Right. I think we could do a lot more in four days, longer even days, and then have three days off. It's impossible to we can, decide.
1: Somehow we can pilot this program.
0: <laughs> I mean, and look, we I work retail. You work in academia, yeah. so it's the point is moot for us. Yeah. But for the rest of the world, <laughs> I really feel like four <laughs> days or be like Italy, and take all of August off. Why did we work in August?
1: That's a good question. Why
0: Why is anyone doing anything in August? I didn't. You didn't. That's right. <laughs> you, um, you did other things. I
1: did. Um, but we digress.
0: Yeah, always. <laughs>
1: um, our topic today um, is something that many listeners have um, brought to our attention. and something that we've thought a lot about as we've tried to recommend books for as many people as possible. Right,
0: the constant plight of the bookseller. The constant
1: plight of the bookseller. Um, We did a kind of flip side of this early in the year about like selling books that we don't necessarily agree with, Mm -hmm. Um, books that have content that may or may not be offensive to us as individuals, as booksellers. Um, The flip side today that we'd like to talk about is this idea of what we're calling PG literature. Yeah. Books that are... um, milder in their content
0: yeah that's a good term and pg is the best way i know how to describe it because yeah. i think there are a couple ways we can define this term yeah. right we can either define it as okay we mean limited language yep. limited sexuality limited
1: um limited, violent limited or drug related content right
0: just like tv movies exactly. that kind of thing um but then the other part of the definition is one i think I think most people mean when they're asking for PG books. I think definitely they're asking for quote unquote cleaner books, but I think they're also asking for comfortable, cozy literature. Mm Do you think I'm, do you think that's the correct assumption to make? uh,
1: I think for a lot of these people, yes. And And maybe it depends on the reader. Right. Because we ran into this first kind of with shelf subscriptions. Yes. And the idea that we were picking books that we personally liked. Yes. Um, We are not, this is not a recommendation service. This is, Hey, here's what I liked. Here you go.
0: Right. If you listen to the podcast and you like Chris subscribe to Chris, you will be pleased (laughs)
1: because you will get books that Chris likes. This is not a like choose your own adventure. Like Chris is going to pick a book for you every month service, Right. which when we launched it, I think a lot of people didn't understand. That's right. Um, And we got lots of requests for like, I would like Annie's picks, but I want them to be no sex, no language, no any sort of content. And like, we don't disrespect that. Right. But that's not the nature of that service. And
0: we had a lot of explaining to do. And I, right. I mean, I think we can be honest about it now too. One of the books I sent out at the beginning of uh-huh. this year was Fire Sermon. Which
1: was a racy book.
0: It certainly was. And it was truly my favorite book of January. Right. And when we launched Shelf Subscriptions, it was supposed to be, Chris, you pick your favorite book of yep. the month. Ashley, you pick yours. Annie, you pick yours. And that's what we send out, regardless right. of people's tastes. Right. And I think we learned... Um, I learned the hard way that we needed to be clearer about what shell subscriptions are. Mm-hmm. And I think we are yes. now. I feel no, very... Now I think
1: it's been a lot, yeah, lot th- easier I since then. I think it's a
0: lot clearer now. Um, but it also had me, I mean, kind of second guessing and making sure... We obviously want every customer, long distance or in person, right. to be satisfied. Right. Um, we've also... I mean, we had... A couple of folks who, you know, Fire Sermon was not for them, and sure. I totally get that. We've had in-store customers, I don't know if you knew this or remember this, um, dislike a book, not for language, sex, violence, um, but for just, they didn't like the way the story of the South was told, so Uh-oh. they went home and burned it. Bought the book, huh. and burned it. That is not what I would suggest is this you like do. like people
1: cutting the Nike symbol off their socks? <laughs>
0: yeah. So that's not what I would suggest, but I think those experiences have made me realize, yet again, how personal right. reading is. And what works for me might not work for you. Right. And so you and I put our thinking caps on, yes. and we thought, okay, as booksellers, mm-hmm. when somebody comes in, and understandably is right. looking for PG lit, yeah. whether it's for their kid mm-hmm. or their mom or themselves, or themselves, um, what do we recommend? Right. And so that's what we wanted to talk about.
1: Because we don't want it to just be like, well, Annie only reads books about infidelity. Right. Chris only reads books that feature, that prominently feature suicide. Right. And so like, <laughs> right. we do want people to know that we read things that are, you know, perhaps cleaner, perhaps nicer um, than those things that we do kind of gravitate toward as our own individuals. And we are able to sell those to you and recommend them. I
0: think, you know, I don't think I quite realized how much I love dysfunctional families until I started hand-selling books and And realizing, oh, these have a theme. Mm -hmm. And yeah, infidelity, who knew? Like, I I just find that to be really compelling. But then I have a dear friend who's a fantastic, well-read person she won't touch those books with a 10 foot pole and I don't blame her. Like everybody's got their triggers or their, their things that they don't want to read. And I get that.
1: I put six of my favorite novels on a syllabus a few years ago. And I realized when I put them all on paper that the main character kills himself in every single one. And I was like, huh?
0: (laughs) Might want to read this a little. That's
1: interesting. (laughs) Um, So yes, I get it.
0: Yeah. And also I think, it's safe to say we're living in an interesting time mm-hmm. in history mm-hmm. and it's not surprising that people want comfortable Something nice that's right it's yep. not surprising
1: and so here's what we got yeah um i think we both have a go-to author here yeah. that will be familiar to a lot of booksellers um mine is gonna be wendell berry mm-hmm. and i think yours might be jan karen mine
0: is jan karen and i think probably very similar yeah most people listening to this podcast will have at least heard of one of those yeah. names um, but they write they cover very similar territory they do
1: um they're nice small town life mm-hmm. stories of like real real people kind of who live in these very realistically drawn, cozy, interesting, kind of quirky little towns mm-hmm. and that's it
0: <laughs> and I would like to say here too, I think sometimes the the condescension that people give to PG lit is wrong because you and I both know Wendell Berry and Jan Karen have these really vibrantly drawn communities, these richly complicated characters. Mm -hmm. And just because they don't drop the F word every other sentence doesn't mean they're less realistic. They're
1: not edgy, but I think Wendell Berry is, is one of the most important writers of the 20th century. Like he is a brilliant dude. Yeah. Um, and I haven't read Jane Karen. I can't say anything about her. I mean,
0: I think the writing style is going to be a little different, perhaps a little bit it's more a little commercial. Yeah. yeah, a little bit more commercial. And nothing wrong with that. And yet, the truths she—I mean, anybody who listens to the podcast—and you know this about me—I also love books about faith and the yeah. complications yeah. that arise and, from and living Rendell a
1: very in there. Too. Yeah,
0: from living a faith-filled life, and so I think Jane Karen really does that quite beautifully. Yeah. Um. So PG lit again. I think sometimes the assumption can be. Uh, yeah, it's you're right. The assumption is if it's not edgy, it's not literary. Right, and that's not true.
1: And I don't think that's true at all. Um, and also that if it's PG, it's necessarily like kind of inspirational, right? Um, a Hallmark movie. That's kind right. of Thing, and I that's mean, and that's it, not really what we're talking about. Yeah,
0: and that's what's interesting to me because the MIT for books could for sure
1: yeah. be they, Hallmark they, films. They, they're tangential to Hallmark. Yes,
0: films. Yes, but look, I. I want something, when I say I want cozy things, I want something a little bit more well developed than yeah. a hallmark.
1: Not just sentimentality, well, yes. there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. But something with a little more depth and nuance that doesn't have to be edgy.
0: So, one example that immediately came to mind, and we've talked about it recently because of the Netflix adaptation, mm-hmm. but the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel right. Pie Society. If you haven't read this one, I do think now is the time. It's, it's one I had not read, and now I totally understand why it's so beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an epistolary novel, mm-hmm. so I think it's easy to kind of dive into. And the characters really do bring home that the only way I know to describe it is like the Downton Abbey esque feel, right. which, if you'll recall, Downton Abbey is PG, but some serious stuff goes down. I
1: was gonna say like, end like... of episode one, end of episode three, yeah. like there's lots of steamy stuff in that show. So
0: it maybe even skews PG thirteen. Guernsey um, is, I think, cleaner than the Downton we know and love, mm-hmm. but my Downton's
1: th- a soap opera through and through. Yes,
0: um, but Guernsey, one of the things I think is so interesting, I think a lot of PG lit often can be found in historic fiction. For sure. So we've mentioned Fiona Davis' The Dollhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, We mentioned her most recent novel. The Masterpiece. Yes. And so I think those easily fall into this category of... These are clean, um, but still well-developed, interesting books. Um, I think historic fiction is a great place to go. Mm -hmm. I I actually had a... It
1: does skew the other way sometimes. Yes. I'm thinking like TV show like The Tudors, where it takes history and makes it very not clean.
0: Or I think we forget violence can be just as troubling. Yeah, And sometimes, you know... I love and adore All the Light We Cannot See. Mm-hmm. I consider that PG lit. And yet, for sure, it is intense. Yeah. Um, and so you may want to evaluate kind of what you're thinking yeah. of. Well, um, what does
1: PG mean to you?
0: But a, a woman recently emailed me. Maybe she's a podcast listener. I can't remember. But she was looking for books for her daughter. Mm-hmm. Because her daughter, and we get this request in the store all the time, is like right on the edge, right? Where YA lit is probably going to yeah. be a little too... Because mm-hmm. YA lit can be can be a lot yeah um but so one of her favorite books the daughter had read recently i think she was 13 is the help and she was like so what is something like the help okay and so i I sent her a list many of which um are on this list but i think that's a common yeah um a common struggle for a lot of people is okay i liked this what else might i enjoy Mm -hmm. so i think historic fiction is a good place for that kate morton fiona davis um I think I think that's a good place to start. I
1: think I think so too. And there are a lot of really recent, kind of book clubby books yes. um, that have that have crossover appeal into this territory too. Um, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Yeah. Um, you had an interview with with that author. What's her name again? Oh no. I don't.
0: I... G- Gail Honeyman. Gail
1: Honeyman. That's it. <laughs>
0: Gail Honeyman. Thanks,
1: Gail, um, (laughs) who is just wonderful.
0: She was delightful. And look, Eleanor Oliphant is one of those, right, where I think, looking back, it's a pretty clean book, but the themes are intense. Uh-huh. So, in fact, a customer came in literally today and was like, hey, I read that Eleanor Oliphant book and I loved it. Though at first I did wonder, Eleanor, are you really going to be fine? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And so I thought that was a really funny way for the customer to word it. Um, but if you're willing to take that journey, Eleanor Oliphant, Where'd You Go Bernadette. Uh-huh. Um, the even, Rosie Project. Yeah. Those. Uh, what's another one? The one I read where the woman embezzles all the money. Marion... Oh, God, I'm going to... Mm. Anyway, these these kind of quirky novels, uh-huh. I definitely think... Another one is um, This Is Your Life, Harriet Chance. Yeah. These, to me, are totally PG, but the themes might be a little bit... Um more complicated right than the Mitford books
1: right it's not just the neighbor is spreading gossip and now I need to go right. fishing right um which I, I love Wendell Berry which, and that's the plot of literally all those books like <laughs> yeah. my husband went to war and now I'm here with yeah. the kids like not a lot happens yeah <laughs> but they're wonderful
0: yes Um, Another one I was thinking of um, is The Coincidence of Coconut Cake. Um, Along those same lines is The City Baker's Guide to Country Living, Uh The Late Bloomers Club. We've mentioned those before. I will say my mom is a great example of a PG reader. Mm -hmm. Um, And so trading books with her is always really interesting Mm -hmm. because I think I solidly fall in PG-13 territory.
1: Verging into R.
0: Verging into R. And so um, I am always careful about what I trade with my mom. So Guernsey is one I handed to my mom without any qualms. Films. and city baker's guide i handed to my mom mm-hmm. and my mom did come back and she was like oh i loved city baker's guide now it did have two f words and i was like oh <laughs> oh
1: huh.
0: totally forgot didn't that notice. like did not because it wasn't a part of the story right uh that didn't resonate with me right but i appreciated which then, still
1: technically keeps it in pg-13 territory one
0: it doesn't is it i think one? it's two oh is it two now um so my mom i loved that she totally loved the plot um totally loved yeah. the characters but for her and for her it was fine those two were, didn't get hung up on yeah. i was like
1: well that didn't need to be there but exactly And, and, and you sure. know what
0: mom sometimes it doesn't need to be there and, and you're, you're right, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they are completely unnecessary yeah,
0: you're correct um but i think those uh, are, would be a good starting point yeah also some other authors i think sometimes some southern writers so yeah it, it, Thinking and about, there's
1: something in the in the DNA there. Yes. Yeah. So
0: well, yeah, look at where we are and look mm-hmm. so it totally makes sense yep. to me. But looking at the young woman's request who loved the help so much Patty Callahan, Henry, Karen White, Jocelyn Jackson. Mm -hmm. I think their books all fall under that PG, maybe slightly PG-13 territory. Mm -hmm. I love Jocelyn Jackson. I think she writes about the South incredibly well. Mm -hmm. I raved about the Almost Sisters last year, Um, but Gods in Alabama, uh, Backseat Saints, Mm -hmm. those are some of my favorite ones of hers. And then Patty Callahan, Henry, has a new book coming out that I am really excited about. my mom gave it her stamp of approval, so Good. I'm anxious to share it with everyone. You might find it interesting. You might be tempted to roll your eyes, but I do think Patty Callahan Henry did her research. Okay. Um, it is called, I believe, Becoming Mrs. Lewis, and it's about C.S. Uh, Lewis's wife.
1: Um, joy. Yes. Okay.
0: So my mom adored it. Um, okay. I'm gonna try it. Yeah. I th- I'm
1: very curious about this. Yes, I She's am a, too. A very interesting woman. Well,
0: I think my mom really found her to be fascinating. Okay. And so obviously and this she is. is yeah, this is fictionalized. <laughs> um, but I do I'm under the impression the author really did her research. And she has written Patty Callahan Henry has written a lot of books that are more modern settings. Sure. Um so this is I think if not her first, it's one of her first. Um, forays into historic fiction. So that book comes out in October. Okay. Um, but I think that's another author. She and Karen White. Beatriz Williams is another mm-hmm. one um, that I I feel like a lot of my readers who typically want, yeah, a little bit of mystery, a little bit of intrigue, Kate Morton.
1: But not like murder. Yeah.
0: Or... Serial
1: rape. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Like, here's something for your palate. Right. Um, and so I think I think those are for sure books I would recommend. There's one... The New Karen White. uh, Dreams of Falling. falling. Yeah. That's another one I would really recommend. Um, Those are reliable authors and that's kind of nice too, right? We've talked before how kids, I think, are really lucky in that they get these series. They get these series. They can just follow along with and maybe... I don't find myself to be much of a series reader. We talked about that last week. But um, I love the idea of finding an author who you trust. Yeah. Um, And then just kind of reading everything they've done. Jocelyn Jackson is one of those that I really do love pretty much whatever she writes.
1: I think you can find that a lot in comic books, too, because they are serialized. Uh Um, They're told month to month or every six weeks. Um, And so you get something like Miss Marvel, which is written by G. Willow Wilson and has been for the past 52 issues now, I Mm -hmm. think. Um, they're so good and so clean and you read the first six issues I think like a while back and they They were great and they just keep going from there now they are geared toward teenagers because that's the point right Um, but I'm an adult and you're an adult and I really enjoy those stories I buy them monthly yeah Um, well
0: and that's something I was going to say too like Children's chapter books, guys. Uh, they're
1: still books. They're still books, you, and you're still good. allowed to enjoy them. I've got a
0: friend, um, who adores going back and maybe reading books that she missed, mm-hmm. um, or even, yeah. y- you know, like that you missed growing Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Um, somebody just reread, and I'm dying to do this. They just reread, um, the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Mm. Frankweiler. Oh, I think I just want to go back and do that myself, um, because I loved that as a kid, but I'd I've, like to read it as an adult.
1: I've never read The Giver. Okay, so bookseller confessions here. Um, professional academic confessions here. I've never read The Giver. I'm
0: so sorry. It's
1: okay. We're going to get through it together.
0: The Vanderbeekers, mm-hmm. um, that's about to be a series. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it reminds me of the All of a Kind family, right. which my mom grew up reading. I loved. Uh, the Penderwicks, mm-hmm. um, the Mysterious Benedict Society. Mm-hmm. Like, There's some great there are children's books, there. a lot of really good
1: there. children's books. Oh, what's the one that I liked recently? That, mm, I don't know.
0: um but i artemis fowl you oh i
1: love those yeah so
0: just like you adults love harry potter Mm -hmm. um, and love wrinkle in time Mm -hmm. like there are still some children if you're in the need of a cozy book that is more in that pg territory don't
1: feel bad because there's the thing there the primary audience is often children But they were still written by adults, and you can still get more than a child would get out of it.
0: That's right. Well, that's what my friend who just read Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler said. She was like, I totally picked up on things that I did not pick up on as a kid. I just read that literary criticism um, book about little women. Uh Guys, little women's got a whole lot going on that probably I didn't really fully realize when I was eight and read it for the first time. No,
1: exactly. (laughs) A lot of these books are, they are written by adults for adults.
0: My mom just went back and started Anne of Green Gables because we grew up on the Megan uh, Megan Fellows, Anne of Green Gables movies. Uh I then went, because of course I did, and read all of the books, but my Mm -hmm. mom didn't. And so she's like, she's like, um, re-watching Anne with an E on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And she thought, oh, maybe I'll go back and try to read these books. So she's loving the Anne of Green Gables books. Mm -hmm. Um, Little Women, I mean, I've talked about An Old Fashioned Girl, mm-hmm. Eight Cousins, Rose and Bloom, all of those. Emily of New Moon. Those are classic, classic literature, but you're right. There's so much to them, mm-hmm. especially if you're reading them they with have adult depth. eyes. I'm
1: even thinking of A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. has so much rich oh, gosh, theological really philosophical does. depth. It totally does. That, like, doesn't work for a 10-year-old. Yeah. But it really works for a 20-year-old, yeah. for a 30-year-old, 40, 50.
0: And I think sometimes YA... Doesn't always do that. Like yeah. YA can definitely have deeper. There themes. are different
1: kinds of YA, but, right? But
0: yeah, we've talked before. Um, I I like John Green books, but I am not. When a grandma comes in looking for a book for her 15 nope. year old, I'm not gonna sell her looking for Alaska. No, I'm not gonna do that. Now, if the child and the parent want to do that and make that decision. That is on them. If they're
1: like, I loved looking for Alaska, you can say, okay, here's Fault in Our Stars. That's right. And I'll feel comfortable doing that. That's
0: absolutely right. But if a grandma is coming in, and Mm -hmm. I know, luckily, we work in a bookstore and in a world where I feel like I really know our customers. Um, So I do have to be a little bit cautious. Right. Um, But that being said, there's some YA lit that I think falls soundly into PG territory. Um, We talked last week about all the boys I've loved before. Mm -hmm. I won't. I won't go on too much about it, except to say one thing I love about those books, and one thing I've heard as kind of a complaint about those Mm -hmm. books, is that the main protagonist seems to be a little bit juvenile.
1: And she's supposed to be.
0: Well, she's an innocent 16-year-old. She's kind of naive, um, 15, 16-year-old, and I... Liked that about yeah, her. She uh,
1: doesn't need to be super worldly right, at and, 16. And
0: look, some 16 year olds are, and some, some are not. Aren't. And so I liked that this was a book because I do think I've read some YA where the 16 year old is more experienced. Mm-hmm. It was refreshing for me to go back and read these books where the 16-year-old is probably a lot more like I was yeah. at 16. Um also heavily influenced now I know by the author um the author was heavily influenced by Beth March. Mm. And so she wanted to create a homebody character who loved her family, mm-hmm. who loved being at home. And so I find all the boys we've loved before, or all the boys I've loved before, to be delightful. A customer did ask if I would recommend it for their 10-year-old. And I said no, Mm -hmm. only because I think the themes of it skew older. Right.
1: I would say 13, sure. Yes. But 10... mm, I would say 13, 14. Depends on your 10-year-old.
0: Yes. And that's the other thing, too. Parents and families have to make these decisions yeah. for themselves you
1: guys have to figure that out <laughs> um
0: and
1: um and it's not one size fits all and and we kind of need you to understand that too yeah. when you come in that what's appropriate for for this 10 year old might right. not be appropriate for that 10 year old
0: that's right well and you and i have talked before i don't think your parents in fact i'm confident your parents didn't my parents did not um dictate or follow my reading no um because i read so quickly yeah my parents were kind of like well, well go well, ahead <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm super grateful for that freedom.
1: Absolutely. Also,
0: we all now know I am a prude, and so as a child, I wasn't gonna, right. you know, read certain things anyway. Um, but I'm glad I read Little Women when I was eight years old. Yeah. Should I have been reading about death and I don't know? marriage and intense war you know dad got off to war. i don't know but maybe, i read maybe. it yeah and i reread it later and it was fine um so reading is super personal which can make right recommending pg or pg-13 lit tricky mm-hmm. um but i know i understand where the impulse comes absolutely from. um so hopefully this will help give folks a place to start
2: out strong, but now we're coming up, oh, we? Cast our lots with all the devils of sin. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my
0: God. From the front porch is a production of the Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop.
1: Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel, and it's from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like what Annie didn't finish this month, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also check out our website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for web-only content, a full back catalog of our show with links to something like further reading. I don't know. (laughs) This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened.
0: So we have a an older gentleman customer who shops with us all the time. How? Uh, um, different. No, different one. Different one. Jim. Oh, yes. OK, so one time he came in the store and he asked me if I was his best, or if he was my best customer. Oh. And I said, probably not, <laughs> because I'm an idiot. And I was, like, <laughs> I was like, well, I actually think there's a doctor in town. <laughs> Who would qualify? And I. you were
1: thinking only in dollars and cents. I know. Wasn't
0: a terrible? Slytherin. So, I know. so anyway, he comes in now because he comes in at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Because truthfully, he probably is one, one of our of. best customers. We can't quantify but this. But I think that's what I said was that he was one of. And I think he pushed me and was like, what do you mean one of? And so I named this doctor. So today he came in the bookshelf and he was like, he was asking all about our shelf subscriptions. And... Um, He bought a book and he said, Well I'm trying to be your best customer, but I understand I've got to compete against this doctor who probably has more resources than I (laughs) do.
1: That is gold. Bookshelf gold. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.
2: We're at the bottom of the barrel again Started out strong, but now we're coming up thin Oh, we've cast our lots with all the devils of sin Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God Do you know which one is the right thing? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. that are crumbling there's a lot of pretty people whose eyes can't see oh my god oh my god oh my god and in the evening when the church bell tolls may we remember all the visions of Come, so I'm holding my breath, but we will, we will try, we'll try our very best.